Now the men and their wives raised, so these are the people that were working on the wall, the Israelites. Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their Jewish brothers. Some were saying, we and our sons and daughters are numerous in order for us to eat and stay alive. We must get grain. So there was a famine. Others were saying, we are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards, although we are of the same flesh and blood as our countrymen, and though our sons are as good as theirs, yet we have to subject our sons and daughters to slavery. Some of our daughters have already been enslaved, but we are powerless because our fields and our vineyards belong to others. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry, and I pondered them in my, in my mind, and then accused the nobles and officials. So the Jewish people were taking from the Jewish people. The Israelites were taking from the Israelites. They were oppressing their own people by charging them taxes. Isn't that a familiar story? The poor in this story gets poorer and the rich were getting richer. And so they were complaining to Nehemiah. Here they are trying to rebuild the wall, but they, they actually don't have food to live on and they are actually having to sell their children into slavery just so that they can survive. So Nehemiah says, I pondered them in my mind and then accused the nobles and officials. I told them, you are exacting usury, which means that you are, charging more you are charging more tax than what you should, which is illegal. You are making money out of a very sad and out of, a, um, out of the famine. Um, he then said, you're doing this from your own countrymen. So I called together a large meeting to deal with them and said, as far as possible, we have bought back our Jewish brothers who were sold to the Gentiles. Now you are selling your brothers only for them to be sold back to us. They kept quiet because they could find nothing to say. So I continued, what you are doing is not right. Shouldn't you walk in the fear of our God to avoid the reproach of our Gentile enemies? I and my brothers and my men are also lending the people, money, and grain. But let the exacting of usury stop. Give back to them immediately their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and houses, and also the usury. You are charging them the hundredth part of the money, grain, new wine, and oil. We will give it back, they said, and we will not demand, demand anything more from them. We will do as you say. Amazing. He called them together, he stopped the work, he called them together, and he stood up for the poor among them, and he was a voice. He was generous in his time and listening to the people and their complaints and the situation. He was generous in his leadership and wisdom because he stopped everything, he stopped the building of the wall, and he said, okay, let's deal with this situation because this situation will... Get in the way of us finishing the wall. This situation will stop the work of God to finish the work of building and rebuilding the wall. Then I summoned the priests and made the nobles and officials take an oath 
to do what they had promised. I also shook out the folds of my robe and said, In this way may God shake out of his house and possessions, and possessions every man who does not keep this promise. So may such a man be shaken out and emptied. At this the whole assembly said, Amen, and praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. Moreover, from the twentieth year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judea, until the thirty-second year, twelve years, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. So Nehemiah is saying, leading by example, that he was allowed, he had a food allowance because he was governor. And he had a food allowance on top of his salary. And he's, and he's saying here that he didn't take the food allowance because he knew that that food was a result of taking from the poor. <clears throat> And, the, and, and it was a result of the poor being oppressed and taxes charged too much to the poor and their food and grain and fields. So he didn't actually take the food allowance. He only lived on his salary. But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. Their assistance also lauded it over the people. But out of the reverence of God, I did not act like that. Instead, I devoted myself to the work on this wall. All my men were assembled there for the work. We did not acquire any land. Furthermore, 150 Jews and officials ate at my table, as well as those who came to us from the surrounding nations. So not only did he not take the, the food allowance that he could have taken, he also opened his home every day for 150 people to eat with him out of his own salary. And he also opened it up to those from surrounding nations, foreigners. Each day, one ox, six choice of sheep, and some poultry were prepared for me, and every ten days, an abundant supply of wine of all kinds. In spite of all this, I never demanded the food allotted to the governor, because the demands were heavy on these people. Remember me with favor, O my God, for all I have done for these people. So, we see a build-up. Of, of Jeremiah's generosity in the story, it started with the king's generosity of letting Nehemiah go. The king showed a, um, took a big step of generosity by saying, you go, you and go and sort it out. Then Jeremiah went and during, and during his time of building the wall, he stopped and he said, okay, we're going to sort out this issue. So he stopped. So he was generous in his time. He stopped. He said, come on, let's sort this out. Let's look at the situation of the poor first. Let's seek social justice. So he was generous in giving his time to the people. And then it reached this climax, this apex. His generosity reached the apex where he said, I am, look, he led by example. And I believe because he led by example in not taking his allotted food allowance, the others listened to him. If Nehemiah were taking the food allowance for himself, 
I don't think those who were taking all the taxes and the land and, the, and, and taking the grain and, and asking for high taxes would have been so willing to listen. But because, Jeremiah, because Nehemiah led by example, and he actually didn't take the allotted food allowance, he had integrity, there was open hearts and willingness to listen. So there was then this, this example that Nehemiah set in his generosity and being very hospitable where he had 150 people eating with him every day plus other nationals, visitors. You know, and it's such an example for us that we are not just called to be generous to our own people, our own countrymen, but that we have a call on our lives to be generous to the foreigners in our land as well. And so there's a scripture that says um, in Leviticus 19.34, the foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt, and I am the Lord your God. So basically, Nehemiah is, is, is leading by example. He's not just looking after his own people, but he's actually blessing the foreigners as well, those from other nationals. You know, many times I've heard in this country people saying things like, well, you don't have to give them that much. They're foreigners. They, they, will, they will be happy with anything because they are um, desperate. I've heard that. For, I've heard people in this country say the foreigners will settle, will, will take less money, a, a, a lesser of an income, because they're foreigners and they're desperate. But God clearly says to us that we should treat and love our, the foreigners among us the same as we do our own people. I can hear music through this speaker. <laughs> I thought it was a phone. So Nehemiah shared to the foreigners and, and with his own local people. Generosity is not just a call for the rich, but it's also a call for the poor. The second example I want to bring into here is um, there was a widow. And there was a widow in the town called Zarephath. And, and um, God spoke to, let me just get the, get the scripture here. So Elijah, Elijah the prophet was also in a famine. And God told him, if you want to, if you, if you need more food, go to Zarephath. There's a, there's a widow and I've spoken to her. So I don't know if you guys know the story. He then went to Zarephath, and there was a widow, and he asked the widow, can you please get me some water? And she said, yes, I'll go and draw you some water. Then he, he said to her, can you please give me some bread? And she said to him, um, I don't have anything. The last, bit of, the last bit of what I have is a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and I was going to make a bread for me and my son, and then we're going to die. That's all she had left. Okay. So then Elijah says to her, just please make me a little piece of bread. So she did as he said. She went home. She made him bread out of what she had, the last bit of what she had. He then came over. He then ate with her and her son. But before all of this, 
He said to her, if you do this, you will never run out of food. If you will do this, if you will give your last and you will help me and you will make me bread, you will never run out of food. And so she did. She went. She trusted God because, because earlier in the chapter, God said to Elijah, I've spoken to a widow. I've spoken to a widow and there you will find food. Go and ask for food. And so she did because she trusted God. She trusted God, and she was generous with the little that she had. So she gave to Elijah, and he stayed there. And from that day onwards, she had flour every single day. Miraculously, God provided for her every single day. Then later on in the story, her son passed away, and and Elijah prayed for his son, and he came back to life. And the reason why I want to tell you this story and Nehemiah's story is because Generosity is not just for the rich. Generosity is for the rich and the poor. God is calling the rich and the poor and everybody in between in his kingdom to be generous. And also, Nehemiah gave out of what he had. He had time, he had leadership, he had skills. He had food at home, he had an income, and he gave out of what he had. And she gave out of what she had. It doesn't matter how much you give. He gave ox, he gave sheep, he gave wine, he gave all of that. But what did she give? She gave a little flour, she gave a little, um, a little bit of oil, and she made him bread. It doesn't matter in the kingdom of God because you give out of what you have, not out of what you don't have. Okay? I will also say that generosity precedes pioneering. And what do I mean by this? Is generosity preceded the building of the wall and the finishing of the wall, okay? Generosity preceded the work that Elijah needed to do. Preceded, it goes before. We have many stories at the Sozo Foundation of how God, because of people's generosity, it opened up the door for pioneering to take place. It opened up the door for a work of God to take place. It came out of hearts of being generous, out of hearts of of, of men and women who want to see God's kingdom established and work going forth. So, so it always, generosity always precedes doors to be opened and God to move into new territories and God to build, for God to build. Um, so I want to just share a few stories with you. Um, and I'm going to use Steve and Diana's story as an example. When they were in the UK... God spoke to them about coming to South Africa and giving to the poor and, and giving into, into the work of Sozo. And as, as they then committed in their hearts to give, to give all their savings away, Steve was um, invited to speak at a conference. And Steve and Diana already in their hearts committed to give their savings away to give it to the work that was happening here to see an education center being built. And they made that commitment, and then Steve was invited to preach at a New Wine conference. And at that very conference, as he was sharing his story about them as a family being all in and giving it all away, something miraculously happened. And I don't know how many of you know the story, but while he was preaching and sharing the story, one lady got up, and she came and put 10 pounds, 20 pounds, at, at, at his feet. And the whole assembly got up and emptied their wallets in front of Steve's feet on the stage. And there was 30, how many? 
30,000 pounds. 30,000 pounds within maybe half an hour was poured out on the stage. And because of that money that was poured out on the stage, we were able to start building the Sosa Foundation building and laying the foundations to start the building work of the Sosa Foundation in Freigrund. But the point I want to make here is that it started with them first giving of themselves. Steve and Diana had to first give of themselves. And that opened the door for God's blessing and for God's finances to flow. Nehemiah had to first give of himself. He had to say, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave my job as the cup bearer of the king. I'm going to leave this year. I'm going to go and I'm going to bless my people and I'm going to do God's work. I'm going to sow my life into the work of God by finishing this wall because my people are not safe. Their lives are in danger. So sowing into the kingdom of God, it always comes through someone or a group of people laying down their rights and their lives and being generous with the whole of themselves, saying, I'm laying this down, I'm giving this. And that opens the door for God's work to, to, to start flowing and for that building work to start, ha- to start happening in his kingdom. Um, we've had several youth camps here um, at the Bay City Church. And when I was leading the youth, Uh, there was one stage when we took 150 young people on a camp. None of the young people could afford a cent out of their own pockets. Most of the young people were living in conditions where their parents were unemployed. And every single year, we had to raise, and the last camp, we had to raise about 120,000 rand to take young people on a camp. And I know a lot of you so generously into those camps. But you know what? Every single year, God would say to me, Ilana, you need to sow the first seed. How can you expect to ask people to sow into these camps if you don't sow the first seed? And every year, I would sow, we would sow as a family into these camps. And every year, God was faithful, and we never lacked a cent to take 150 young people on a camp. Three days of just being in the presence of God. And so the points I want to make is if you want to see, if you want to see breakthrough in your life or you want to see a work established or you want to see God's work advance, ask yourself, what do I need to lay down generously? Or what do I need to give into generously? Because the thing you want most is the thing that you actually need to give first. What you want to reap is what you need to sow first. If you want to reap something, you need to sow first. You need to give away first. The widow needed food. She had to give away her food first. Nehemiah wanted to see a a, a wall rebuild. He had to give away of himself first. And so is it with God, our loving Father. He sowed his son so that we can be free. 
He wanted a relationship with us. But he had to give of himself first. Jesus. So by Jesus generously coming to this earth, a new movement called the kingdom of God was pioneered. Jesus paved the way by giving of himself. The greatest example we do have of generosity is our Father. He gave his only Son generously so that we have access, generously access, to every single promise in the Word of God and every single aspect of his kingdom. We have access to everything in his kingdom because he was generous. So we do not give out of we do not give out of guilt, we do not give out of fear, we do not give out of duty. We give out of a heart of love and kindness and we give out of a heart that wants to honor God because he gave it all first. That's why we give. That's why we are generous. And the word says that in um, Matthew 6, no, sorry, Acts 20, verse 34, it says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you know what? In Matthew, where's that scripture now? Sorry. Um, Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4, when you do charitable, charitable deeds. So it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. When we are generous. As we go, let us be generous. Where we go, let us be generous. But there's also a call on our lives to give into the work of God and to sow generously into the work of God. If you want to see the kids' ministry thrive in this church, as a parent, give into the kids' ministry. Give your time into the kids' ministry. If you want to see the prayer... The, the, um, the prayer ministry thrive in this church. Give yourself into the prayer ministry. It's, it's really a very simple, simple principle. Where you want to see fruit, that's where you need to sow into. That's where you need to lay down. That's where you need to give into. And we give into the work of God first. Because the Bible says that we need to look after our own people. God says that. Especially, the Bible says, especially look after those fellow believers. And that word, it says, do good to the fellow believers. And another um, word for good there, translated, is actually generous. Be generous to your fellow believers first. And then, from out of that, you will have more to give to others. So, I want to leave you with this encouragement. And I'm, I'm, I'm sensing people are very quiet this morning because this is not, this is not an easy top, topic to talk about. Because sometimes we feel like we don't, have any, we don't have much to give. But we've learned this morning from this widow who had nothing. She literally had nothing. That little bit that she gave caused Elijah to carry on with the work 
as a mighty prophet of God to continue his work as God's prophet. She had a profound impact on the history of Israel and God's people. In the, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, there's the example of the, also a widow who gave two pennies or two cents into the offering basket. And Jesus said, look, she's given more than anybody else who's given because she gave her last little bit. And Bible said she gave the last bit she had to live on. So my encouragement to you this morning, and it's really an encouragement, is that you have the ability to shape your area of influence. You have the ability to shape the destiny of this church. You have the ability to shape the destiny of this city and this nation and your community by laying down, by sowing that which you want to see by sowing that first. So I want to encourage you as you go from this place today, just ask God, what's in my hand? Because you can't give what you don't have. You can't go to in debt. You're not going to go into debt to give. It's not what God expects of you. You give out of what you have. And we all have something to give. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, whether you are somewhere in between, you have something to give. And it is through generosity that I am here today because of other people's generosity that I am where I am today. Because other people have sown into our lives. Other people have sown into the ministry that God has called us to. Other people have sown generously so that in the beginning years when we didn't even have a salary, we could get by month by month. When we didn't know if we were going to have enough food at the end of the month, because we laid it all down, because God said lay it all down, God provided through people. And some people who are here today. So never underestimate how powerful your act of generosity is in the kingdom of God. It's powerful. It's powerful. I have been touched and transformed by people's generosity. But most of all, I've been touched and transformed by my father's generosity. Because I have access to the throne room of God. And you have access to the throne room of God. And in his presence, we will find what we need. God will never expect of us to do anything he hasn't done and done before us, gone before us to do. And I want to encourage you just to follow and just to be obedient. God speaks to us very regularly. Very regularly he speaks to you. Daily he speaks to you. Daily we have opportunities to be generous. Whether it's your time, your money, your gifts, giving of yourself, go out and be a blessing. And the world will take note. The world will take note. Thank you. Powerful. Come, let's stand.
Thank you, Ilana, for being so obedient to God's word and just sharing from the heart. I know all of us has been challenged this morning. Why don't us just to close off by, just for now, before we leave out of here and get busy with our day and our week, I want you just to think of something.